Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, this is Brian Schieser from Trellis Restaurant at the Heathman Hotel in Kirkland. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the new year 2017 and the January Seattle Dining Show number 1701. Yay! Party! 2017! (laughs) I'm Connie Adams, the senior editor of Seattle Dining, and I'm here with Tom Marin, the founder and publisher. Hey, welcome everybody, and I just want to make a mention here. This is the beginning of the third year of the Seattle Dining Show. That's amazing. Three years already? Three years. I think we finally figured it out, too. Hey, that's a good that's good to hear and for those of you listening, what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we like to start off with some places we've been lately. What about you, Mr. Marin? Well, I just want to tell you that I am enjoying a lovely cup of tea from tea that you bought me at the Cedarburg Tea House on Queen Anne. I know we had them on the show maybe about a year ago. Yeah. And we did. man, it is really good. I've been drinking Republic of Tea for years. This is stuff is spunky. Yeah. Spunky, is, spunky. Well, you know, um, I'll just say this now because I was going to talk about it as someplace I'd been, but I went out and did an interview with Roberta Fuhr of um, Experience Tea in Issaquah. And uh, I just found out a lot about tea that some of it I'd known before and I guess hadn't paid any attention, but it was really fascinating. And um, she she got me started thinking about loose leaf tea versus tea bags. Yeah, and and that's what, that's what we're what talking seems to be about making a big difference. It, it is a big difference. And Cedarburg, I've had tea there, and I like their rooibos teas there. But this one we're talking about happens to be a mint green tea, and they do sell loose loose teas. I'd never really looked at it. They have them lined up there, and I've seen them, but I wasn't paying attention because I wasn't thinking about buying tea. Um, but they do a lot of, they've got probably 10 or 12 types of tea you can buy loose leaf there. We've watched uh, Starbucks buy not one, but two tea companies, and they brought us down for a media dinner right. when they had the Tazo release, mm-hmm. and uh, never blew my mind. I never really learned anything from them about tea. Um, obviously, you kind of have to learn about it. But the thing I like about the Cedarburg bags is that on the bag, when you buy it, they mark down how hot you should get the water, and they mark down how long you should steep the loose-leaf tea in there before you pull it out. And how much you should use. They told me verbally that, so I wrote that down. Yeah, well, they say like a teaspoon, but I've been putting a tablespoon in oh. so good. <laughs> And I'm sure not. To, it doesn't turn me into a jack, you know, a, a, like a like a wind up toy or anything like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's very fascinating 
how much there is to tea. And the reason I thought I, I bought this tea for Tom for Christmas because he's so particular about food and what he puts in his body. And then I was listening to her and talking to her about what is in tea bags in terms of quality. And I thought, my gosh, if Tom knew this, he would never want to use anything but loose leaf tea. So well, I tell you, the, uh, the, the green mint tea, mm-hmm. that goes really good with a Big Mac. With Big Mac. Mm, well, honestly, what nice doesn't? Pairing. What doesn't? True. It's the benchmark of food. Yes. So, and if you haven't heard that before, you have not been listening to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, where have I been eating? Yes. Um, we went to a media dinner up at the Vista Prime Steaks and Seafood at the Snoqualmie, Snoqualmie Casino. And uh, the closest casino to Seattle, as they will tell you all the time. You know, I saw, I think there's a casino up on Aurora, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Right across from McDonald's, I think. Yeah, it is. and yeah. so similar to Snoqualmie. Yeah, so a really similar. good steak there. I <laughs> know, oh, but these guys, they, they just repurposed the uh, restaurant up there at the casino and, and did a couple of changes uh, inside decor wise. Uh, they've got on uh, a pretty sharpshooter sommelier and a pretty sharpshooter head of service type of guy. And uh, good wines. We had really good wines. We had uh, very good service. Uh, as far as food went, I think they got a little work to do. We had a, a – what was that? Was it a prime rib or a rib eye? Whatever it no, was. No, it was a, a decal of beef. It was the cap on the – Oh, you know, I'm going to have to go look it up. Don't worry about it. Anyways, it was, uh, they told us they prepared it two ways. They did it uh, in a a rare format, and they did it in a uh, sort of a medium rare format. And uh, we got the medium rare, everybody else got the rare, and it was bloody rare. So, you know what I've noticed is, um, if you look in the Tom Douglas book and you're cooking your prime rib, he has recommendations for rare, medium rare, and medium. And then you, you compare that to what the USDA considers, they're off by about 10 to 15 degrees in difference. So uh, one man's rare is another man's nightmare. <laughs> rare to nightmare. They did not do a lot of changes from what they told me in the, in the, uh, the decor or anything. They really, what they wanted to do, and, and we're, we were going to have a little blurb on this in the January issue, so you can look at this too, but they were trying to say, what should the restaurant be in terms of m- matching the rest of the casino? And they talk about the ultimate experience. It's all ease, uh, the, something ex- exciting experience, entertainment experience or something. So what they've done in the restaurant is sort of done a retro thing and gone back to tableside service. So they'll flame out your scampi and butter oh, and right. garlic, and they'll do a cafe diablo, and it gets dark uh, in the room, and they'll they'll drip it down with all the alcohol in it all, and flames down into the glass. That just breaks my heart. Why? I had to burn up all that alcohol. <laughs> well, by that time you've had seventeen bottles of wine, so you know it's okay. But it's 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 really fun, and they've got a guy Quan Wan who ha- has worked all over the country as a tableside service kind of guy. And uh, so they're, they're really going for that entertainment factor in the restaurant as well. So it was fun. Yeah. 
Uh, another place I went to recently, um, actually we went there, and then I took yes. your mom there, exactly. uh, the Barking Dog Ale House over in sort of Ballard, and uh, new owner, mm-hmm. formerly yeah. the owner of... Um, one of the owners of Blue Water Bistro. That's right. Dan That's Anderson. Right. Uh, so the menu's been changed up a bit. No more hot dog. Even though it's called the Barking Dog, they took the Barking Dog off the uh, menu. Apparently, no one else was buying that but you. So uh, who I knows? Guess so, I w- and I hadn't been supporting them. So, uh, so that's happening. Um, what do we have? We had a burger and beers. We had a dip sandwich. Yeah, yeah. No, and when also, I was with your mom, I was thinking. Oh, okay. They also have Dave's Killer Bread there. Yeah, which is good. Um. Your, your mom had, I had a schooner of beer, and your mom had a whole pint, <laughs> and she'd wished that we had swapped it around the other way. She didn't finish her beer. That's so my mom. <laughs> you got to love that woman. So, uh, let's see. That's that's kind of where, I've been doing a lot of cooking at home, because we just came out of December, and we were into the mm-hmm. holidays, and I also got a new toy, uh, a multi-cooker, and we'll talk about that more at the end of the show. But uh, so I've been having fun, uh, you know, just sort of nesting here at home and and uh, working with my new gadget. Yes, you made a fabulous prime rib for Christmas Eve. But I didn't do it in a multi cooker, everybody. That's right. I guess that you could. I you could at least braise it out in the multi cooker. Yeah. Well, I um, went to a dinner at the Space Needle. And Chef Jeff Maxfield comes to Cooking with Class each year, and and I just love him, and he's so great. But I really hadn't been to – this was a dinner that someone bought at Cooking with Class as an auction item. So it was numerous courses, you know, like small items, but eight courses. Yeah. And I have to tell you, it was kind of early December, early mid-December. So Christmas lights were up. And it was one of those really pretty cold nights we had, so everything was crystal clear outside. And you're you know, going around in circles in the Space Needle, and the food was just incredible. And Jeff has a very playful nature. So he'd been using liquid hydrogen for things, like on uh, oysters. But toward the end, he brought out some Fruit Loops and, and froze those, and then we ate them. And as you ate them, smoke would pour out of your mouth. That's like the 21st century pop rocks. Yes, and it was so fun. And, you know, it was – people think, oh, auction dinners and it's going to be all stuffy. And it was just really fun. And honestly, the food was so good. And while I was there, I found out that he's been promoted. So now he's the corporate executive chef. He's over everything. Ah. So that's very exciting. And he deserves it. So I love that. And then we went to Jazz Alley uh, a couple weeks ago. My brother was in town, saw the average white band, which is, you know, you can't say enough about Jazz Alley and the music. It's it's so great, and the atmosphere is so great. And right now, Alvin Benuya from Ponte is the chef there. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it is better than it's been in the past, but the emphasis is not on the food there. No. Um, I had a tuna dish, and it was good. It was quite good. You were pretty clear about what you wanted in your prime rib, and it came out, and it looked beautiful, but it had nothing to do with what you'd asked for. Had no lip on it. And the trim is and what you like. And it's all eight is the lip. Yeah. So, so. Uh, 
And I know uh, my brother had a steak and he said it was a little chewy. So it's not, you know, it's not bad food, but it's quite expensive and and it's not probably the best. And, and in reality, I've talked to a number of chefs who've worked there mm-hmm. and that's just what it is. The well, focus is on the music and they want to do a nice job and so they hire people like Alvin yeah. to really make it the best it can be at the price point they're doing. And but, and that's that's the reality and he's working with the reality and you can't go crazy on food costs in the kitchen at at a place like Jazz Alley because that's the way that John is going to make money is keeping the expenses down and having a good chef in there like Alvin will ensure that everyone will get good food. Yeah. It's just not going to be the super duper yeah. Canless meal or anything yeah. like that, and that's okay, you know. Well, I, the other thing I think is that that average white band, it, it was a great show. Mm-hmm. It was really enjoyable, and they did a fabulous job. And there's how many people in that band? Six or eight or something? I think it was six people on six stage. Six people? Yeah. The tickets were like $30. That's unheard of. I mean, if you were going down to the Paramount to see somebody or, you know, someplace yeah. else, it would have been 80 or 100 Yeah. So, you know, again, the food costs have to be kept low if you're going to cover your overhead. And and it's a working, successful concept yep. for them. So I, I'm not complaining. It's the way it is. If you haven't been to Jazz Alley in a while, I highly recommend it. Always a good spot. Always, always. The other place I went, we normally don't talk about chains. We normally don't put chains on Seattle Dining in the restaurant directory. But we went out to Bellevue and had dinner at P.F. Chang's because we wanted to see Snowflake Lane. Mm-hmm. They do a half-hour show, like, for 15 days in a row or something. So anybody who missed it, Snowflake Lane is when they close the street down out outside there uh, in between the buildings. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, that's not Connie's chair squeaking in the background. <laughs> that's the associate producer who's uh, come alive today, yes. and we'll, uh, we'll work on him. And apparently doesn't care for what we're talking about. <laughs> Snowflake Lane, get it off the show. Not food-related. But we did have dinner at P.F. Chang's, and I have to say, it's one of my guilty pleasures. I don't eat there very often, and I don't really consider it Chinese food, but it is always consistent, you know? You can get a good—over the years— they used to have, they don't even have it on the menu anymore, lemon scallops. And to me, their scallops were always fishy. I would never get them. Mm, mm, but mm. their prawns are not fishy. Um, everything else has, it's just very consistent. You know, it's a, it's a formula. Yeah. But it was good. And then the other night, about three of us went down and had dinner at Perquet No, down by Green Lake. The people who used to be on Queen Anne years ago. Yeah, we did a feature story on them like in October, I think we it did. was. We yeah. did. And it is just atmosphere-wise the warmest, most welcoming place. You walk in, and Lily, uh, Lily and David Kong own it, and Lily's always at the front greeting people when they come in. And of course, because we've done the story on them, they knew us and everything. And she was happy to meet my mom. And uh, she said, "My mom's done nothing but complain about how much weight she's put on over the holidays." And Lily takes one look at her and goes, "You must have dessert," and brought her some creme brulee. <laughs> so <laughs> you must fatten up. So it was very nice. It's just a it's a lovely place. Okay. So. Uh, well, listen, I want to take a second here and welcome on some of our new advertisers because uh, without them, we don't have a magazine and we don't have a, a show. Mm-hmm. So uh, B and E Meats, welcome. 
Um, we got some delicious, wonderful, wild-caught lobster tails down there for Ooh, Christmas. That was good. We paid for them, too. We didn't get them free. It wasn't a trade ring like No, no, that. no. We, we went down there on purpose to get it from there. We paid the full boat. Yeah. But they were they were excellent. They came out great. Uh, Copperleaf, longtime supporter of Cooking with Glass, on board with us now, supporting the magazine, supporting the show. Um, always good to have fall come around because the people at the Oregon Truffle Festival get out there and support what we're doing, and we support what they're doing. Uh, really fun watching the ads go by because I you, you keep getting new ones from them, and now there's something about a truffle dog competition. Well, this is one of the – first of all, the Oregon Truffle Festival is, is a rarity um, and the only one on the West Coast. Um, Copperleaf is doing an event – um, with a truffle dinner kind of thing, and, and it, mm-hmm. but it's nothing like this, which takes place in two or three different locations in Oregon. And one of the things is that truffle dog championship, and I would go just to watch the dogs. They're so darn cute. Yeah. Uh, celebrity cruises on board. I guess that's yes. a good pun. They're on board. On board. And um, I'll just say about them that one of the reasons we've been talking to them is that celebrity is all about the food. While other cruises say, oh, yeah, great food, they, they're really focused on the food. Yeah, so lots of different sense. restaurants on the ships, right? Yes, yes. So, uh, you know what they should do is they should dock a ship for a weekend, <laughs> like they'd want to do that. Yeah, that wouldn't hurt um, them at all. But uh, dock it in port for a couple of days and let people come on and have special dinners at all the different restaurants. Yeah. And then, you know, that might hook some people into buying some cruises. Yeah. You never know. Interesting. Uh, and then back on board with us again is uh, the uh, Swiffy. Yep. And I know you got something you want to say about that. So that's yeah. the Seattle Wine and Food event. Right. That is coming up. And um, interestingly, Jamie Piha, who's been running this and producing it, has um, partnered up with Seattle Met. And so this is the first time that Seattle Met's really uh, kind of in charge of the event. And they've added a third thing. Uh, the last two years, Jamie has had pop, bubbles, and seafood on Friday night. That will be on February 24th at McCaw Hall. And that's seafood and more than 30 sparkling wines. There's other things there, too, but that's the key. And then the new one is called Comfort, and that's happening on Saturday, the 25th. And it's got feel-good foods, so comfort foods and craft brews. There's also beer, cider, and hot toddies. Sunday is the grand tasting. We're always there. We always have a booth because we like talking to you guys. Stop by and say hello to us when yes. you're there. And that's the big showcase, beverage, food, lifestyle, mm-hmm. and Northwest. So go to seattlewineandfoodexperience.com, and you can find out how to get tickets. All right. Now, um, next up, we're going to be talking about our monthly topic, and uh, we're into this. Uh, we need to take a break. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into that topic. Sounds great. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi, my name's Robert Takahashi. I'm with Brian Carter Sellers, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, I'm Josh from Capitol Hill. I can't make up my mind what my favorite place is yet.
are back with the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, our senior editor. And we are going to talk about substitutions, things that you can substitute in your food. So if you're trying to eat better or you want to eat differently, you want to try some different things, uh, what could you do? Um, when we get toward the end of the show, I'm going to have a discussion about creating your own recipe. So this kind of goes along with it. So uh, keep it in mind when we get to that section of the show. But uh, I do a lot of cooking at home, and uh, I do a lot of substituting. And I'm going to talk about a few of the things that I substitute. Uh, number one, and this is a big one since we just came out of the holidays, <laughs> store-bought broth. Oh, yes. Yuck. I hate it. Um, it's nasty. And uh, my preference is to... Whip up a nice stock pot of your own homemade broth, put it into two cup containers and freeze it all, or use some of it right then if you're going to, you know, do something like rice or all kinds of stuff. I have to say, too, I I think that the two cups is great because when you're making a soup or something like that, it's almost always two cups, four cups, something like that. Uh But there's a lot of things where I need a tablespoon. So I like the idea of taking some of that and freezing it in ice cube trays. Okay. And then you can pop one out and have whatever that is, a tablespoon, I think, or two. Yeah. And you're not wasting so much. If you thaw your frozen stuff out and then you've got a cup and three quarters left. So we had an incident last month where we had some leftover stock and we were tinkering around with some langostino and so for our second langostino dish, or a couple of days later, uh, we threw some of that langostino into the chicken stock that we had left over and brined it. Yeah, and just let it sit for a couple of days and then put, pretty good. put it on the... We had a green salad and we put it on the salad. It really helped the consistency of the langostino. It was, it was just a little more together texture-wise in your mouth. It didn't just like peel apart in your mouth like, it, like the first time we ate it. Hmm. Um, seemed to work really good. So I, I don't know the, the chemistry of all that yet, but uh, the, uh, the experiment worked. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, And you know, the other nice thing about making your own stock is how nice your house smells after you cooked it. That, that is up. true. And it's so easy to do. We have a recipe on Seattle Dining. There's hundreds of recipes all over the web. And, uh, and later, like I say, we're going to tell you how to make your own recipe. Okay, substitution number two. Instead of potatoes, mm. use blue potatoes. Not easy to find. Uh, you'll find them as fingerlings over at the PCCs. And uh, they're usually fingerling potatoes wrapped up in a purple bag. So they're either purple or blue. Uh, a good purple or blue potato is blue all the way through. So I've seen them at other markets where they look like they're going to be purple potatoes and I cut them open and they're white exactly. inside. So uh, the nice thing about the blue potatoes is the, uh, the uh, glycemic load on those is half of a regular potato and the nutrients are much higher mm-hmm. in a potato. So a lot better to eat and... Frankly, I, I like it just as well as a regular potato. We've been slicing them up and making fries with them. One of the things we did, so this is like a substitution on a substitution. We used blue potatoes to make mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. Yep. And to be honest with you, it looked really strange in terms of it's not pretty with gravy on it. It's not pretty like a white potato with gravy on it. But the taste was just the same. Yeah. Um, the, and if, if what it, I found was that it was... 
they're they're more dense, which I'm thinking is why the glycemic load is different. Mm-hmm. But I would add either more butter or put some chicken stock, some of your homemade chicken stock in it. You it can needs put to some be, almond milk in. Yeah, it needs to be fluffed up a little more yeah. because it's very dense. Don't you normally put put milk into yeah. uh, mashed potatoes, right? So Usually just put milk some or, almond milk in. Yeah. That, that'll that'll because yeah. you know otherwise if you get them too thick they're a little bit gooey. Mm-hmm. Um, a little you took all the skins off them. Which is where a lot of the nutrients are. So I would, I would have done it. I would have left the skins on them when I'm doing my corned yeah. beef hash with them. I'd leave the skins on. Yeah. But uh, there I normally again, would for other things. I didn't do it for the mashed potatoes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could try it that way sometime. Yeah. Uh, you don't like green bell peppers. I do not. A lot I would of love, people don't. I would love to say I do, but. So I had an idea. I got it confirmed by my produce guy up at Central Market. And uh, I made some sloppy joes this last month using Anaheim chilies in place of the green peppers. Mm-hmm. And what did you think? Excellent. Yeah. It was a really delicious dish, and it had a sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very. It was really good. Probably a little more spunky too. You know, mm-hmm. it's got. It's, it wasn't like burning hot. No, no, no. But it no, had no. a little bit of kick to it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're not going to get much kick out of a green pepper, but yeah. I don't know. It, it, it was really good. And it, and we put it on Dave's Killer buns. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice bun that does you more good than a white fluffy bun. Yeah. So. Now, don't laugh when I tell you this next one. All Instead right. of onions, substitute shallots. Not even funny. I would never laugh at that. Well, here's what, here's what I didn't want you to laugh about is then tell everybody where I got that from. Uh, I used to be a subscriber of the Time Life cookbooks back oh, in the yes. 80s. Okay, I could, I could laugh at that. And so I had a nice collection. I still have them. It's called Healthy Ways with Cooking. And every recipe in there was substituting out onions with shallots. And uh, a couple things about it. I think the shallot has a ni- lot nicer flavor once it's cooked down. It's more mellow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, but you, you still can pick it out. It's not oh, like yeah. a, Sometimes onions just sort of... Turn mm-hmm. into nothing when you cook them. Yeah. Uh, another nice thing about shallots is uh, I cook a lot for myself, so I just want a tablespoon. And that usually means I can just go over kind of like a garlic and just break off a piece of shallot. Mm-hmm. And uh, You don't have to cut an onion in half. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. have to cut an onion in half. I don't have to store the rest of it in the mm-hmm. fridge, that kind of thing. So I chopped a little bit of one, like a half of a shallot, and put it in our salad dressings over Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I think that just adds a little spunk, too. Yeah, I know we had that salad one time where um, Terry put in uh, shallots with champagne. Oh, she yeah. She made a champagne vinaigrette. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man, that was good. Really good. Uh, also, uh, normally, when I cut shallots, I don't cry so much. Um, I did cry at this other one the other day. It was a really strong one. I don't know if that means it's fresher or older or it was just Yeah, it was particular. getting me, too. Yeah. yeah I, I was crying in the kitchen when I was working with them. Yeah. So I thought you were just unhappy about your gifts, but maybe not. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, instead of sour cream, however, we did find some nice organic sour cream. We but did. instead of sour cream, substitute yogurt. That's not a new one either. You know, my former sister-in-law... Used to do that, and that was in the 80s, probably. She, she always made uh, yogurt dressings and things mm-hmm. like that. So not a new one, but a classic, and it's really good, so much better for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of sugar, substitute real maple syrup. Still going to have a glycemic load on it, but it's just not 
those raw calories, high speed calories. It's mm-hmm. and you get a little bit of flavor with it too. All right, a lot of people watching their salt intake. So uh, instead of salt, use we've talked about this before. Yeah. Use potassium chloride. You'll find it on the shelf as new salt. There's several of them. Yeah, Morton makes a unsalt, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and your body needs as much potassium chloride as it does salt every day. So and generally we don't get it. No, and don't think eating a banana is going to get you on the right track because it no. won't. Not enough. Uh, oh, here's a re- really generic one. Instead of natural. Use organic. Yeah, natural is one of those un, unlicensed things. It's, yeah. It does There's not no specifically mean term. anything. I uh, just talked about this with the potatoes. Instead of milk, a lot of people don't like milk. A lot of people can't drink milk. Have almond milk. Mm-hmm. And get your almond milk two ways. You can get it as almond milk, and it'll be fortified with calcium. But if you buy the USDA organic almond milk, it will not have any calcium in it because there's not much calcium in almonds. So, uh, and you can't fortify a USDA yeah. organic product. So just supplement in other ways. Yeah. You could eat more cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of butter, my favorite, ghee. Yes, Use you know, ghee. it's a funny thing. Clarified butter to me was... Over, over my adult lifehood was like one of the best things in the world because if you ever went to Ray's Boathouse and got scampi or lobster or anything like that, you got clarified butter and it was so good. Which is what ghee is. It, exactly. Yeah. And yet when we buy ghee, it doesn't taste like that to me. So when I, when I want a different flavor or when I want the butter flavor, I still go butter. But the ghee is got all that butter fat out of it. Yeah. So it's great on toast or if you're mixing it in with something. You know, you're not I use it as a fat to cook with, too. Exactly, because it doesn't have that burn rate, the low burn rate. Yeah. It's funny because we were having the lobster tails the other day, and you guys had the melted-down butter, and I had the ghee. I knew you would want the ghee, and, I, and my mom definitely prefers the butter. Oh, she does? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, instead of extra virgin olive oil, not always a bad thing unless you start cooking high heat with it. If you do, switch to extra light olive oil, mm-hmm. and your heart will be happier, and your... You'll stay away from Fred Hutch yeah. longer. You won't be having those carcinogenic problems. Yep, because that's what happens with uh, with extra virgin olive oil. When you cook with it at high heat, you're going to uh, cause it to become carcinogenic, mm-hmm. and that's not good for you. And I'm not sure why, because this is something we've been hearing about for years and years, but a lot of people who cook around town don't seem to will say hey what do you use when you're you know and they'll say oh yeah we use extra virgin olive oil yeah. and it's like boy in so many restaurants you know they're not and i don't think that it i don't believe that cooking with extra light takes any flavor away well it doesn't have the olive flavor mm-hmm. that you get in extra virgin yeah but um There's hey, gotta- you know not a big deal. And there's not a there's got to be a way that you could just add a little olive oil after the fact or something. Just don't cook with it. Um, well, yeah, like when was the last time you got a steak that was cooked with extra virgin olive oil and you said, boy, that olive oil tastes sure yeah, is good. Huh? I'm in with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, if you're making a salad dressing where you're not going to use any heat, you will enjoy the extra virgin Absolutely. olive oil much better than the extra light because you will have that flavor. Exactly. Um, here's another one I learned out of my Time Life cookbooks for the 1980s. Uh, instead of black pepper, use white pepper. You know, our friend, Penny Rawson, mm-hmm. who is British, swears by white pepper. She says that's, 
that's where you go. And it's and I always I always say I always used it when you were making something light colored and didn't want the black pepper to show. And she goes, Oh no, it's all about the flavor. Yeah. So she's very strong on the white pepper. The white pepper is a lot spunkier than black pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I keep two mills in my kitchen. I keep a mill of black pepper and I keep a mill of white pepper. Um, and then I have nutmeg and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Those are in the mills too. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you got to be sure you look at your mill and make sure you pick up the right mill. Yeah, don't be putting cinnamon in when you want white pepper. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my last one here is uh, instead of Teflon, which has all kinds of negative things going for it, uh, switch to ceramic-coated interior cookware. So you can get like a three-ply cookware, stainless on the outside, aluminum core inside for good heat distribution, and a ceramic coating on the inside. Now tell us the... what the ceramic does. So the ceramic is... it's neutral it has no negative effects on your body if it gets into your food uh, you don't want to have any of that stuff fall apart and get in your food anyways so uh-huh. you got to be careful when you get your ceramic stuff it costs a little more money you're going to be using wooden spoons or silicone spoons or something you know mm-hmm. things that aren't going to scratch it up don't cut in it and uh, and it's an excellent non-stick coating so uh we've been trying this out and i've cooked a few things so far and it, things just slide right out and they wash up so easily it's un- unbelievable oh yeah it washes up super easy yeah and you get to you know spend a little extra money get the good stuff we got um both of us for christmas got ceramic cookware and uh the price was unbeatable it was i got it at costco for basically about half price wow and it's the henkels mm-hmm and uh, it was a little bit, yeah, it was, it was right around half price. And so I bought two sets, one for you and one for me. Yeah, and I'm loving it. And, uh, and I never knew that Henkel's made cookware. I just know them as the knife company. Yeah, yeah. So, interesting. I did a lot of homework before I made my investment. And that was one. I mean, there's some that were just sky high price-wise, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go there. But uh, this was a good... A good one. And I don't know if they still have them up there or not. If they do, get them. And in a sense, these pots and pans are a form of substitution because a number of years ago, Tom actually burned one of my pans up and my microwave one one year at Christmas. Oh, I sure did. So you learn things over the years, and then you get to substitute new for old. Yeah, so never never, (laughs) uh, heat oil with a cover over the top of it because once you take the cover off if it's too hot it'll cause a flash fire it, it did it did i remember it well i i was so sick i had the flu i'm lying on the couch i'm looking over flames leaping about my kitchen my mom oh, oh, oh. Well, i finally redeemed myself and, and got you new cookware yeah it's all over now okay so so that's that's just a couple of uh the instead of this use this type ideas now you may have uh, come up with a few of your own that you want to share with us so i'm going to encourage everybody to go to the facebook page seattle dining and uh and go ahead and uh, share your tips with us and we'll put them up on on our page and then we'll put a little article together that we'll come out with we'll come up out with all mine in an article first and then uh i think for the april show we mm-hmm. will have the reader submissions. That sounds great. So make sure you get your ideas in before then, before uh, March, yeah. uh, in, in March, because we are we'll going to record toward the end yeah. of the month of March. So don't wait till April 1st to do that. And then don't make something up funny for April 1st. Just saying. 
Oh, better watch out for that. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some news bites. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Tony from Mantle and Cellars, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. This is Katie, and I live in Yakima. One of my favorite restaurants is Carousel Restaurant and Bistro in Yakima. With the Seattle Dining Show, I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, Publisher. Hello, hello, hello. And we are looking at things that are happening around town in the industry. Affectionately known as News Bites. Exactly. So uh, the first one we got here is that uh, we told you back in the summer that Duke's Chowder House was going to open up down at Shilshol. And uh, I think we were the first people to break that. We were right on top of that. And then we were told to shush up about another opening they were going to do. But now we can tell you that they will be opening in the Lincoln Square in Bellevue. And that will be in April of 17. uh, Second floor space near the W Hotel. Yeah. So that's going to be, that's going to be fun. The next one we have to tell you is a closure, and that's Liam's at University Village. And that is a Sugar Mountain one. The people who bring us so many places like Bennett's around town and Beecher's Cheese and all that stuff. So, And uh, we just had Kurt Damier on Damier, the yeah. phone on the show back in like September yeah, or August. Exactly. He is always full of ideas. They never stop thinking. He is really an entrepreneur. So do you know so, anything about why this Liam's is closing down? You know, I don't, and I'm just, this is a total guess on my part, but I'm just thinking that the rent in in New Village has to be really high, yeah. and they've just opened the butcher's table, you know, more downtown, <clears throat> and um, I have not eaten at Liam's. We stopped and looked at the menu one time, and it didn't blow me away in terms of nothing really new going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably his usual modus operandi of healthier food and not made with you know, as many unhealthy things. And maybe that just wasn't working with the, the mall crowd. I don't know. Hmm. I really, I'm just, as I said, making it up. But I'm, I'm thinking when you've got a bunch of other stuff going on, that may just not have been as good of a thing as he thought it was going to be. And they lasted, I don't know, wasn't it a year or two? I don't remember yeah. when they opened. I don't know about leases. They're usually three three years or something. So I think if you he- want me to remember when your restaurant opens, make sure you call me out for the media dinner. Then I'll <laughs> always remember. Yeah, I'm thinking he probably signed a lease and the lease is up, and he's decided it wasn't cost effective. Yeah, either. when it says a, a December 31st, that smells like a lease. Yeah, exactly. So so but yeah, and that's a good point. I didn't even say that. It's closing after service on New Year's Eve. All right, next one is the Veggie Grill, offering Beyond Burger, started in December. So they've got 
yet another vegetarian patty that tastes like meat. Now, I bet there's a lot of people who don't eat meat that really want to get onto that, huh? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I think it's probably focused more on people who do eat meat and can't quite break themselves away from eating meat but would like to be a little healthier, two meals a week maybe, vegetarian. So now you can go down, and it's a company called Beyond Meat, and, and Veggie Grill is, is using their plant-based burger. So it's supposed to cook and look and taste like ground beef. Hmm. We'll see. Is it like a chia cow in the ground? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did you see the latest chia offering? No. Uh, you can get a Barack Obama and a Donald Trump chia head. So you get two heads, and you'll own a piece of history. Wow. I, wow. I ordered several. They haven't come in yet. Now, is, it, is there a special process you use to get the, the, the grass to kind of make that nice wave on the top of the Trump head? <laughs> I don't know if the Chia people have figured that out yet. It's it's a, a medical mystery. <laughs> I just call it lack of certain vitamins, but yeah. <laughs> so Copal opened in the former Bar Sayor space at 323 Occidental. They're doing lunch and dinner Monday through Saturday. The wood-fired oven was there before, and Matt Dillon, who had Bar Sayor, is one of the partners in Copal. And... The chef is from the former Taco Gringos. So uh, they were talking about what to do with that space and thought that wood-fired ovens go well with that kind of food. So they're doing trout, pumpkin quesadillas, smoked beef tacos, things like that. So pretty hmm. interesting. And speaking of pizza, yeah, because we can't get enough of it in Seattle. I can't, apparently. Southpaw Pizza is open on 12th Avenue up on Capitol Hill. Uh, the owners opened by the owners of Lark, and uh, the pizzas are tender but chewy, with mostly veggie toppings. Although you can get meat. Yes, you can add on meat if you'd like. Tender but chewy. Be 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 on the lookout for that when you're in there. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, it's sort of like crusty bread with softness inside. You know, it's a texture thing. If any of you were big into sports bars and up on Capitol Hill, you know about 95 Slide. They closed in December. So just to let you know, don't be going there. I thought it was crazy to close before the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, but, you know, people do what they do. <laughs> Might have been the least thing, you never know. That's probably what it was. Uh, Island Time Eatery. A new fast casual spot with fresh island-inspired cuisine. Didn't tell us which island that was. No. Was it Hawaii? Was it Anacortes? No. Was it, uh, this is in the Redmond Town Center. And I have an update on when it might open. Okay. It's looking like the first week of February now. Oh. So they're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, drinks and coffee. They have things like poke bowls. That doesn't okay. sound bad. So that's that doesn't sound like uh, Anacortes no, not or s- San Juan no, or No, not that kind of island stuff. Okay. Um, they do have some outdoor seating. It's good for kids and groups, and they do takeout. So stuff going on there. Okay. And then, Everybody knows Teeny Big's closed. Yeah, so sad. Uh, um, I did see something recently. I, I thought that I had heard that there was a possibility of a place for Hula Hula, but they wanted Teeny to go into an older place like it's in now. They don't want to wait and go into a new building. Yep. And... 
And I thought it was maybe just dying, but I heard something recently about there may be a possibility. So maybe they're finding, maybe they're still looking and maybe they found something. That would be a wonderful thing. Well, the one place that seems to be hanging on to its old buildings is Ballard. We're tearing them up everywhere else. But, um, and, I, and I, I know, I know, there's a lot of new buildings in Ballard. I have a horrified uh, look on my face. about Ballard Avenue. Ballard Avenue yeah. seems to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it must have a historical thing to it, and they won't let them take down buildings yeah. on there or something. So yeah. there's probably going to be a big fight for some space in there for a place like Teeny Biggs or something yeah. later. I don't know. And the last one we have is Aggie's Barbecue, 7533 Olympic View Drive. It's under uh, remodel right now, and I don't have a date, and that's in Edmonds. So we were talking last month about how we cannot seem to find barbecue that we really like. So I'm hoping that maybe Aggie's is going to be something we like, but we won't know yet because it's not open. I had some barbecue I really liked in December. Did you make it? I made it. That's <laughs> right. We'll talk more about it at the end of the show. <laughs> All, All right. right, now you can keep up with our news bites as they happen by following our Twitter account at Seattle Dining One or reading the news bites column at www.seattledining.com. Right, Come right back with a calendar. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Blue Sardinia. Experience the flavors of the Mediterranean in a unique setting located in Redmond. Blue Sardinia offers delicious food as well as wines from both Washington and Europe. You'll find them online at www.bluesardinia.com. Hi, this is Raphael from the Pizza Bank in Kirkland, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, this is Bruce and Carol, and we like to go to Bad Albert's in downtown Ballard for breakfast. Jump left, jump right, jump left, jump right, jump left, jump right. the calendar section of the Seattle Dining Show, and uh, I, I'm going to try to get Connie to say this one slowly because there's, you know, too many reasons why she could say this too quick. Go ahead. What's the first event on the calendar? <laughs> the speed bartending competition. <laughs> and I like the name of it. At first I thought, I don't like the name of it, but actually it is a great name. It's called Speed Rack, and it's an all-female speed bartending competition. But it raises money for breast cancer charities, so what the heck, call it Speed Rack. It's um, the sixth national tour, and it's going to stop in Seattle and bring together 21 of the best female, best and fastest, I should say, female bartenders in the region. So there'll be timed heats to make cocktails, there'll be 50 accepted industry standard classic recipes, panel of judges. All kinds of things. So um, I think that will be very fun. Got it's, some hot shots on the judge panel. We've got Kathy yeah. Casey on there. Exactly. You got Tan Vin on there. Yeah, should yeah. be Simon uh, should Ford. Be a lot of fun. So that'll be that's taking place at Washington Hall, which is at one fifty three Fourteenth Avenue in Seattle. That is on the eighth of January from three to seven p.m. A lot of fun for twenty five dollars in advance, and then thirty bucks at the door. And you can get tickets. Go out to our um, calendar page, and you can click on that link and go to the ticket page. On the 11th of January, 
We've got the uh, 10th anniversary of Volunteer Park Cafe. And I saw that and I thought, wow, 10 years ago? You were the opening publicist. I yeah. built the website for him. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. We're shocked. A lot has moved yeah. on. We don't work with them anymore, but we love we love the place and we love to support them. And it's uh, it's shocking that that was ten years ago. So it's been, if it's been a while since you've been to the Volunteer Park Cafe, might as well stop on in. I yeah. think they, they took the grocery section out. They right? did. It's just a cafe, not cafe and marketplace. Yeah. They're doing during the day, there's cookies for people who stop by. And at night, you get if you have dinner there, you're getting a free slice of birthday cake. They've got dollar glasses of sparkling wine that day who want to raise a toast. Hmm. And they're at 1501 17th Avenue. All right, I want to hear you enunciate the next one. Okay, it's the Ayurvedic Winter Wellness Cooking Class at Verju. And Verju was started by, um, uh, good God, I can't say his name now. It's Brendan, it's gone, but over on Bainbridge Island. Mm -hmm. He's got several places, and, and these are people coming in. Stephanie Myers, who's a chef and breast cancer survivor, and Leah Adams, who's an Ayurvedic health counselor. They're doing a three-hour workshop from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. on the 14th. They're going to talk about Ayurvedic wisdom and learn recipes and cooking tips to stay healthy through the winter months, which, you know, it's an excellent time to get the flu and What is everything. Ayurvedic? It is a, a belief system, I believe. So it, and it's based on health, and it's very broad-based, hmm. a better way to live kind of thing. So um, they will talk about you substitute that. Substitute shallots for onions and that? Yeah, you're quite Ayurvedic. <laughs> <laughs> or ceramic, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, they'll talk about soups as a way to provide the body with nourishment and hydration, being easy on that digestive system. So, And then there'll be a shared meal and conversation. So it's 75 per person. You can register by email. That's at wellness at byleahadams.com. You get all the uh, addresses exactly. right on our calendar page. That's on Bainbridge Island. Uh, on the 20th, we've got the Patson Hall Vintner Dinner at Semiamu. So another good wine dinner, five courses. Obviously going to be about six or seven wines in that case. Mm-hmm. 125 bucks a person. And we don't know if that includes tax and gratuity or not, so you have to ask. I would think it would not. You never know. You never know. You're going to get a room for free? Wouldn't that be? I, that would be really great. <laughs> Lots of details on our calendar page. I'm not going to read them all yeah, out the whole I'm menu. seeing foie gras. I'm seeing braised lamb shoulder, black truffles, turnips. It's, it's a long list. Yep. It looks good. And then uh, uh, coming up, one of our favorites... Yes, on the 20th, this starts on the 20th, is Dine Out Vancouver. We love this, and we went up one time and, and did the brunch crawl, one of the brunch crawls, and went to one of the three-course pre-fee lunches, and it was really fun, and, and I don't know, I hope it's like this every year, but we found that we went up uh, two years ago, I think, and it was cold and beautiful. It was not raining, and we walked miles. We yeah. went. We were going from one location to another and walking the whole time. We it's probably very walked fun. five miles that day. Yeah, it's a citywide thing. There's all kinds of things we couldn't even begin to get onto it. Go go out to um, tourismvancouver.com and look up what's going on. It's it's amazing how much they do. It's a really cool city thing. Yeah, you know the nice thing about Vancouver in the winter is if it's raining in Seattle, it's not raining in Vancouver. Is that true? I don't believe that's true. 
could be snowing in Vancouver, but not during dine-out. Okay, on the uh, 20th at the uh, Port Ludlow Resort, there'll be a, a beauty wine dinner there. Yeah, wonderful wines. Always good food from Chef Dan. And Nina Beauty will be there, which is fun. She's the owner and winemaker. Then on the 21st, I think this would actually be a fascinating thing. It's called History Through the Vines, and it takes place at the Walter Clore Wine and Culinary Center in Prosser. I believe this is the second year they've done it. But they pull together four winemakers who've been around for a while. In this case, it's Rob Griffin from Barnard Griffin. It's Betsy Wittick from Bainbridge Vineyards, Brian Carter from Brian Carter Cellars, and Wade Wolf from Thurston Wolf. And they talk about what it's like. They tell their stories, the memories, milestones. There's a four-course meal and wine pairing. I think it would just be really fun. It's 90 per person plus tax. Um, you, you are Tables of eight, you can buy a table of eight if you want to for $720, or you can just get your place and sit with people that I'm sure you'll come out being friends with. And that's uh, in Prosser at the Walter Clore Wine and Culinary Center. We need to go there. Yeah. I don't know if we need to go to that event, but uh, I'd like to go to that event, but um, we need to go out to the Walter Clore Center. Yeah. Just, we haven't, we've been talking about it as they built it and as it was coming. It's been years and now we haven't been there. Okay, well, hey, it's the first of the year, so it's always a good time to uh, sign up and take a class. And what better class to take than the three-week class, Guide to Washington Wines, with winemaker John Bell and sommelier Dieter Schaefer. And that is going to be happening over the course of three Tuesdays from 6 to 9 p.m. at South Seattle College. And it's 120 bucks per person. All fees it, says, it says all fees included. Does that include tax and gratuity? Well, this, this is a class. <laughs> I'm not thinking you're tipping anybody. <laughs> no, there's probably some wine that you're paying for. When no. it says all fees included. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, so more information about that at uh, learnitself.org. Yeah. Could be fun. I, I, s- I've signed up for, uh, I've taken a different class on Mondays in January, February. Yeah. So, all right. The last one we're going to talk about is on the 31st. And this is something that's been going on a while, and I just happened to pick this up because it's about Angela and Ethan Stoll. But they do a lot of other of these fireside chats. This one, as I said, is with Angela and Ethan. And they are going to be talking with Mike Grabham from Startup Grind, Seattle. It takes place at Pivotal Labs at Galvanize, 111 South Jackson Street. Um, There's no time on this, so you're going to want to go to our calendar and click on the link and find out what time it is. I thought I put it in there. And what are they going to do? They're going to be talking about all the reasons not to open a restaurant? (laughs) Yeah, or why they're going to close down because it's just too hard anymore. (laughs) No, we're making that up. Don't get panicked. So I think it'll be interesting to just hear their story from their, their very own perspective. Okay, we are going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with a little celebratory interview segment. Exactly. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... The Neighborhood Grills with locations in Green Lake, East Lake, Lake Forest Park, Maple Valley, and Bremerton. Be sure to explore their upgraded menus online at neighborhoodgrills.com today. 
I'm Jill Petrie from the Blue Ribbon Cooking School, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Jill Petrie from the Blue Ribbon Cooking School. Hi, I'm Corey Nagler from Walla Walla, and when I'm in Seattle, I eat at La Carta de Oaxaca. Kenny, are you awake? Welcome back to the interview section of the Seattle Dining Show. I'm the senior editor, Connie Adams, and I'm here with publisher Tom Marin. And our interview today is with the publisher, Tom Marin. It's January of 2017, and I thought it would be interesting to find out what Tom was thinking when he started this in 1999, what he wanted to bring to people, what he wants people to get out of the magazine and podcast, kind of how it all started and where he thinks it's going. So, Tom? Tell us a little bit about the history. So uh, we started out with a business plan for three online magazines back in 1999, and we still have two of them today. We have soundwriter.com, and of course we have seattledining.com. And uh, the idea of each of our online magazines was to sort of enrich people's lives by providing them information that could help them to make decisions about, in this case, where to dine, or uh, how to be a better cook at home, um, and not taint it up with uh, food reviews and with reader reviews and the kind of things that were started to go down the pipe later with Yelp and that sort of thing. City Search. Everybody remember City Search? Oh, yeah. Uh, that just kind of was, was ruining what we – it wasn't ever our vision. So, mm-hmm. And part of that is that we want to provide information to people without forcing them into something. And, and I think you and I have been around enough people who work in the restaurant industry to know how passionate they are about it. And we don't – we just want to tell people about it and let them decide – if they like it or not. We yeah. don't want to say, you know, we're all human. You can go to a restaurant and have a bad bad experience, and the next day you could go and have the best experience you've ever had in a restaurant. Exactly. So, um, you know, we just like to put the information out there and let you use it to go find your next ex- experience. Yeah, in our articles, obviously, anyone who, anyone who reads it knows that we don't do a lot of reviews in our articles. It's sort of just, hey, this is what's going on inside. This is what's going on in the head of the owner. Mm-hmm. And here's what's going on with the food. But we're not going to tell you about a bad service experience or something like that. Unless we, you know, just, unless it's April Fool's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, we'll talk about things in a more negative light on the podcast. But we really don't do it online. Yeah. So, um, so what what do you really think sets it apart? What's the niche that you were looking at? I'll go back to what I said at first. It's just enriching people's lives. Okay. I think that's what sets it apart. Okay. And then, um, how did the restaurant directory get started? So the restaurant directory, um, I was doing some contract work for an online company called (laughs) TheMan.com in San Francisco, and I was putting together a director of restaurants for them for the uh, Seattle area, and you, at the same time, were doing some directory work for several other online Mm -hmm. companies, and when we met, 
We uh, put both those directories into Excel spreadsheets, aligned the columns, meshed them together, and came out with, I think, a 900 restaurant directory mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we've since grown it to 1,200 restaurants. It's over 1,200 now, yeah. Yeah. And it's um, an interesting thing to try and keep up with that. As you know, the amount of uh, restaurant openings and closings in Seattle and environs is amazing. It's amazing. I mean, there's stuff that opens and closes before we ever get a chance to get to the neighborhood to check it out, and we never end up putting it in a directory. Mm -hmm. So so we're happy that we've got what we do have out there, and it's it's good information. Um, Now, how did – what was the evolution – you started the magazine, and then sometime after I came in is when we pulled. To go back a little further, Mixed Media is the parent company you started. Right. And it's the parent company of the magazines. Now, on, on your other magazine, you have an online store. You do events. When you and I started. And we do consulting. Mm-hmm. So we do contract work for uh, small businesses, whether they need graphic design, websites, uh, marketing services, social media services. So that's mm-hmm. another uh, side of the business. And, and you know, the motorcycle part of, of, of the business is cyclical. So we need something to fill the gaps in the winter months. Mm-hmm. And so that contracting and consulting work helps, helps out during those times. Exactly. And then when I started partnering with you, I was already doing the fundraiser cooking with class. So we've got the events on the food side. Mm-hmm. And, and I um, currently am not really doing any public relations, but I have been. I worked with Ponty for 12 and a half years. Wow. Um, yeah, half of their lifetime. Isn't that insane? That's, a- That's sort of like the Volunteer Park 10-year thing. And you were the longest publicist they'd ever had. And probably, you probably had that, that account for, I don't, I don't know any publicists who've had an account for 12 and a half years. I don't know. There's got to be some out there, but it's, it's unusual. People yeah. f- flip through those pretty quickly, so... Um, so, and you know what, that's another point, uh, about our business that I'd like to say is that we are really about relationships Mm -hmm. and, and, and we want to always take the high road and do what's best for the customer, our reader, whatever. So, so that's why we are around and, and do things have been connected with people for so long because it's about the relationship. Yeah. Good customer service. Yeah. I learned that years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this a lot, but people talk about customer service, but it's it's hard to uh, actually see people doing it a lot. Yeah. And I have learned a tremendous amount about customer service working with restaurants because, of course, that's what they're focused on. Mm-hmm. They're not in business if they don't do good customer service. And I've seen crazy things happen, people coming in demanding things, and the, and the owner's going, yeah, we can do that. And the person leaves, and I'm like, are you crazy? How are you going to do that? And they go, we're going to make it happen. So they're just, if you can make somebody happy, they'll do it. And that's, yeah. you know, that's a, a, a pretty fun group of people to be around when they're focused like that on, on making people happy. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I, could, I could be specific and tell you, Salty's does a great job of customer service, and they, they yeah. train their staff well. Um, Tom Douglas restaurants do a great job with customer mm-hmm. service. Well-trained staff. Uh, so, you know, somebody who doesn't do that, then you, you know it when you go and you go, you yeah. eat there. You and know? it's inconsistent, you know, one time you have a good service experience, one time you don't. They're yeah. not training well. Right. You know, um, and there's a lot of people who do a good job. The restaurant industry as a whole has a, a lot of turnover and people bop from place to place. So it's 
when you find a place where you suddenly realize the same staff has been there a long time, something's being done right straight from the top. Yeah. So, what else would you like people to know about Seattle Dining? Well, you know, unlike a lot of internet startups from the time period that we started this, uh, we haven't shape-shifted a lot. Mm-mm. We're we're on the same course we were on when we started up. You know, we're telling people about restaurants, we're providing them informative information, um, and we haven't, we've added a few things, maybe, but but honestly, we, we're just sort of doing the same things we were doing um, back then. I think now, you know, now that we do the show, too, I think that's a nice addition, mm-hmm. because like you say, uh, if we want to rip somebody up for service, we could do it on the show, Um you know, um, and the show's a forum for some of these people to come in and be interviewed on. In fact, I was thinking the other day, you know, Tom Douglas has a lot to say about the $15 wage mm-hmm. thing and what's going on with the restaurant businesses and how they're being treated by the city council. And, he, you know, he can go on to, like, the Puget Sound Business Journal and do an interview with someone there. But he can't talk about that on his show. So, mm-hmm. Tom, I'm inviting you to come and join us here <laughs> on the show in February or March, whenever it's convenient for you, and let us, you know, just let the city council have it, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's it's a bit more, um, we, we can be a little bit more outspoken doing the show here. But uh, at the end of the day, we just want you to listen to the show, learn a few things out of it, and go and experiment and play with your food and have a good time. Yeah, and be amused by us. We're, we're having fun doing this, and we want people to just get a good laugh and, and learn something and go on their way. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, both the magazine and the, the show are, is a good outlet for people to get exposed. Um, what we've seen with press in this town is that when you're the new kid on the block, you get all the attention, and then you don't get it anymore. Yeah. But with Seattle Dining, if you want to do a feature on Cedarburg, Tea House, um, you know, what is four or five years old now? Yeah. And nobody wants to touch them with a 10-foot pole, but we'll be happy to expose them and let people know about them. And the nice thing, too, is that between both the show and the online magazine, everything's archived. So you can go back and look at articles we wrote, mm-hmm. in some cases, 17 years ago. Yeah. And if, if the shoe fits and they can still wear it, we keep the article yeah. up. Yeah. We, we take very few off. There's some that have changed so dramatically, or they're just gone. Yeah, I mean, we update know. some. We've, we, we, we've yeah. done Serafina four times. Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've kind of evolved with them. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they added Chiquetti, so we went back and did a new mm-hmm. uh, interview with Susan yeah. and that sort of thing. So um, when it's time to do an update, we can do that, too. Yeah. And I'm not 100% on this, because as soon as I say this, someone will find something I haven't done. But... Sometimes when a chef leaves and we've done a story on it, I will go back in the archives and put a little asterisk and say, chef left in May of 2014 and is now at. Right. You know, something like that or, you know, ownership change or something. So we do try and kind of keep you apprised even in the archives of things that have happened. Yep. So. Uh, We don't have an app. But we've worked hard to make sure that our... Website renders well on your mobile phone, if that's where you want to look at it, on your tablet, on your laptop, on your desktop, on your home entertainment theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever you want to look at the website, we've made it so it, it, it morphs and, and looks good on any screen. 
And, uh, you know, we're, just, we're a small little group of two people most of the time here. We don't have all the development people who can go and make apps for us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, those people, they, all that stuff gets rewritten every two or three years yeah. anyways. And uh, I do, you know, the majority of the coding here. Well, I pretty much do all the coding. I have a, a couple people I can lean on when mm-hmm. I get stuck. Um, but, uh, but you know, if, I, if, if you were going to throw an app project at me, that would just be crazy because and i don't think that people need that in fact you know i've i've got a little thing on my phone it's called uh weblink and it's a nice little tool where you can connect a web page onto the startup screen of your phone so it's like having an app and if your website renders well like you know facebook renders well as a web page on any device why do you need a facebook app i don't know but uh, we sure don't have the manpower and resources to put a, an app together. But we'll we'll work hard with our magazine to make sure it looks good online mm-hmm. and and renders as well as an app. Now it's not <coughs> so critical on Seattle Dining, but with the motorcycle magazine. Yeah, on the motorcycle magazine um, last summer, that was a lot of fun. Where when we put together our rally event. We usually have a calendar of events that are going to go on for the five days. And we've always in the past done that with paper. But in the case of this summer, what we did was we said, hey, we are going into the 21st century all the way. There's no paper schedule. The only schedule you need is online. Everybody's online. Everybody's got a mobile phone. And so everybody was using their phones and their tablets to get the schedule. Uh, we told them this ahead of time in case somebody wanted to print out the schedule and have a paper version. But the other thing that happens is that things will change around. And so you need to uh, delete an event and add an event or change a person's name or whatever. You could do that live. So um, that's, you know, that's one of the ways that we made that technology work for us and saved a ton in printing cost. Yeah, and one of the points I was going to make is that we have an online store for the motorcycle side of things. So Tom, when he codes, I mean, it is solid security. Um, you can't do that through WordPress or something like that. And now no. we sell. We used to sell more on Seattle Dine, and we don't do that now, but we are selling the Cooking with Class cookbook, mm-hmm. and that needs to be secure. You know, you're taking people's credit cards. So well, that one it goes straight to a PayPal page. Oh, does it? So okay. you know that it's secure because yeah. PayPal would be in a lot of trouble if they weren't secure. Yeah, and we wouldn't be using it if they weren't. But uh, but we use Shopify for the online store okay. for the ma- for the motorcycle magazine, and uh, you know, and I, I like Shopify because they upgrade the site all the time without me having to push a button. Mm-hmm. If I go into WordPress for a client, I'm always having to update. The, the WordPress version that's on their server, and it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt. And then if I don't do anything for three months with that client, all of a sudden that's out of date. I don't know it, you mm-hmm. know? So, uh, well, I, I would sort of like to wrap this up by saying one of the things that I think makes us special is that we are local. Um, when you look at Eater, and people love to look at Eater and things like that, that's what, those are nationwide things. They're putting them in every city. We are local. We've been around. We've got the relationships. Eater's the next city search. Yep. It'll come and go. And then there will be something after that, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. We, we've, we've seen, you know, we saw where the local media was trying to do their own sites mm-hmm. and uh, lifestyle-type sites like that. Mm-hmm. So right now, 
Eater's on top of the world, and then next week it'll be somebody else, or next yeah. month or next year. And we'll be plugging along, doing our local thing. We'll and be doing our thing. <clears throat> being available. Yeah, until we die. <laughs> and it'll probably be from overeating. We're just, you know, not sure, but at least we'll, we'll overeat on healthy food. We know yeah, that. Yeah, we'll substitute shallots for mm. onions. Well, Tom, thank you for being our guest today, and thank you for creating these magazines, because I think that they really do fill a, a space in... Uh, you know, what people need to know about their city. My pleasure. And if you enjoy listening to the show, you enjoy looking at the magazine online, be sure you share it with your friends and let them know about it too. It's always free to subscribe. Just go to www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to have a couple tips for you. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in the adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. Hi, this is Executive Chef Paul Duncan from Ray's Boathouse Cafe and Catering, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, my name is Leslie and I'm in Seattle now, but I was in Bellingham for 15 years and have always eaten at this Thai restaurant called Busara and it has better Thai food than even I had in Thailand and it's amazing. with Seattle Dining Show for January 2017, and we're wrapping up. As you know, if you listen to the show, we like to wrap up with some tips. A little tip about eating out, eating in, and something that we found really helpful in the kitchen. So, Tom, why don't you start talking about eating in? So, my tip for eating in this month is that no matter what time of year it is, you can do this any month of the year, um, create your own recipe. There's a hundred different recipes for, say, doing a lobster tail. And uh, we did a whole lot of reading of them and kind of came up with the consensus and and crafted up our own. And it worked really well. It worked out really good. And when you do this, write it down. I tend to like to type them up in Word. Like I'm doing a full recipe. I got the ingredients there. I've got the directions. I've got any useful tips at the end. And then print that out, and uh, then go ahead and make it, and keep a pen handy, and mark it up so that you can make changes to it while you're cooking, and then go back to the computer, edit it, make a PDF of it, and give it to all your friends. (laughs) You know, that sounds a little bit obsessive, but I have to say... I sometimes make something that I just think is so good, and I can never you can't recreate how it. To do it again. I yeah. can't ever quite get back to it. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to talk about eating out, and because we just have come through the holidays, uh, we are everybody's aware of the don't drink and drive thing. You know, it's such a big deal around the holidays and New Year's and things. But really, it's a good thing to think about all the time. And when you're going out, consider what your plan is for that evening. And if it involves cocktails, 
it's amazing what we found as we did a little research, and you can get pulled over for whatever reason. And if even if you're under the legal limit, you can be taken away if they think you've been drinking. Yes, you can. So, um, And you can be charged <clears throat> with something called a neg one. And if you get a neg one charge, it, it, you're going to have a little trouble getting into Canada. Uh, it's a misdemeanor. But it's going to raise your insurance. And you can get a neg. Neg one is under a DUI. So a DUI is if you're at 0.08. But if you're under 0.08, even if you're like at 0.01, they could give you a neg one. Mm -hmm. And that would go on your on your record. Record. You don't want to have it. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many options now for not doing this. First of all, there's a ton of neighborhood restaurants. So you can just hang out at your local place. If you're going someplace... Use Uber or Lyft or a cab, and it's bus. Yeah, the bus. We when we go downtown, we almost always bus. It's really easy to do, and we just have our Orca cards, no problem there. Um, and the other thing about going places more and more, it's not just downtown. Parking is getting more and more limited. Yep. So if you're Ubering or lifting, you cannot worry about parking, which is so great because I know. Sometimes you're thinking, oh, my God, does the garage close at midnight? Should I be back? Should I, you know, or you're thinking, oh, now I'm going to have to leave and go because I've got to put more money in the thing because it was only a two or three hour thing, yeah. and now we're going over. All that stuff goes away when you're not driving, and you can have cocktails and wine and beverages and, and not worry Most about Most of the home. time I've had pretty good drivers, although there was that one. Yeah, scary. Who almost killed himself just getting to me. But, uh, you know, th that's when I get vocal, and I'll go in and rate a driver, and I'll put my comments in about, mm -hmm. you know, if, they, if I think the guy's driving unsafe, I'm going to say so. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's my tip. Just be thinking about what your evening's going to be like, and don't drive if you so don't have So do you to. have any liquor on your breath? You can, you can be pulled out of the car. You'll be subject to a sobriety test. They can still take you away. Even if you pass your sobriety test, they can still take you down and put you in the slammer and process you through and have you take a breathalyzer. And if you walk out under that, you walk out with that charge, not good. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. Uh, and now the last one here we got is the gadget, which I've been alluding to throughout the show. <laughs> I replaced my crock pot and my rice cooker with a multi-cooker. And uh, I got the Philips model. And uh, we gave it a test drive with some friends one night and made some ribs with it. It came with a recipe for ribs included with it. has a little cookbook with it. It's in three different languages, so whatever you prefer to read it in. <laughs> and, Educational. Uh, it worked out awesome. I'd never made ribs before, and i got to say, for my first time around on ribs, they were very, very good. Came, mm -hmm. you, know, you could peel them off the bone. They weren't fall off the bone, but you could peel them off mm -hmm. pretty easily. So uh, I good. highly recommend if you need to replace your crock pot or you need to replace a rice cooker, uh, just get rid of one or both and get a multi-cooker. You'll save some room in the kitchen, too. Exactly. That's one of the bonuses of that little substitution. All right. It's time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com, click on subscribe free, and join us. We want you to dine safe. We want you to dine well. And we want you to dine often. And for 2017, we're not going to be referring to my mother anymore. 
But don't cook like my mother. But don't do it. See you next month. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.